So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Script, the podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch and take a deeper dive in the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Welcome back to the podcast. We are really excited to be bringing a movie to the couch today. It is a new odd and quirky film that has been getting a lot of (laughs) hype um, and having a lot of conversations about this movie. So we're really excited to be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. What's happening? I'm not your husband. I'm another version of from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, whole time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to just share with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. As you know, this is the point where we typically summarize the movie, so I'm going to try to do my best. So Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is about Evelyn, a Chinese-American woman played by Michelle Yeoh, who is tasked with saving the world. She is trying to save the world and multiverse by defeating Jobu Tupaki, the multiverse version of her daughter, played by Stephanie Hsu. Evelyn jumps and explores other universes by connecting with the lives that she could have led. Meanwhile, Jobu Tupaki has created an Everything Bagel Black Hole. You heard that correctly, an everything bagel black hole, and yes, more on that to come. And this black hole is threatening to destroy the world. While traveling across the multiverse and saving the world, Evelyn is also trying to balance her relationships, including those with her husband, who wants a divorce, as well as her strained relationships with her daughter and her father, who is visiting from China. While all of that is going on, Evelyn's also planning a Chinese New Year party at the family's business, which is a laundromat which is also being audited by the IRS. So you can say that Evelyn and her family have a lot going on. (laughs) 
Yeah. And well summarized, Dr. Sam. I was really glad Dr. Sam typically does our summaries because I don't know if I could have summarized this movie as eloquently as she did. Um, it's a very <laughs> confusing, kind of chaotic, all over the place movie. And so to be able to summarize it and succinctly, uh, I would have found very challenging. I tried to distill it to like some of the main plot points, but those of you who have seen this movie know that it's a very complex movie, I think intentionally. It's very visually stunning. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of very creative things, and we'll kind of talk about that as we go through the movie today. But also, I think, you know, I kind of gave a summary of what we see on the surface of the movie. And so today, we're also going to be kind of diving into more of the themes and maybe metaphors or other things that might be going on with this movie And Dr. Fran and I know that there are a lot of conversations out there about this movie. There are a lot of different interpretations. People see different metaphors, can take different meanings from this movie. Um, So we're just going to be chatting about some of the ones that we're aware of or some of the things that came to mind for us. We're always open to hearing other ideas and thoughts, as you know, as well. So we're going to try our best. Yeah, I think that's a a good point, Dr. Sam. If we could probably spend several hours talking about all the different nuances and themes and complexities in this movie, and we have chosen just a few highlights that we will focus on today that are of a particular interest to us and particular interest related to mental health topics um, that we often cover on the podcast here. Um, So some of the themes that have come up in like articles that have been coming out and conversations about this movie, things, things about like the meaning of life existentialism, nihilism, which we'll define a little bit later, and the Asian American identity. And so we'll touch on some of those themes today. Exactly. So I think to get us started, we really want to talk about Evelyn. So as we mentioned, kind of the movie focuses around a lot about her, her perceptions, her kind of going through the multiverse, saving the world, you know, trying to defeat um, bagel, black holes and whatnot. (laughs) Um, So we want to start off by giving some context about what Evelyn is experiencing. And one of the main things that we saw come up in a lot of other people's conversations about this movie, which is whether or not Evelyn may be experiencing ADHD-like symptoms. Yeah. And uh, if you are unfamiliar with ADHD as a broader term, we would definitely refer you back to a previous episode we did on ELF um, back in December around the holiday season, where we actually go through like the diagnostic criteria for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. Um, so we do a really deep dive there and we won't do that again here. But generally, people with ADHD typically show a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity or impulsivity that gets in the way of daily functioning. And this has been kind of like a hot topic around this this movie of not only does Evelyn have it, but also some of the context um, with the creators who directed this movie um, and their kind of personal experiences with this diagnosis. Yeah, so very interesting context. It seems, uh, as Dr. Fran just mentioned, that the directors, when they were initially working on the project, they were doing research as they thought it might be interesting to have a character um, who had undiagnosed ADHD. So maybe was having difficulty with Uh, inattention or ability to focus or being easily distracted and not really knowing that it could be because they had ADHD. And while doing research for the film, kind of started to realize like, hey, wait, this really resonates with me. Maybe this is something I should get checked out. Um, So, you know, kind of seemed like some loose inspiration for the movie and based on their research. And what's interesting is we've mentioned with Evelyn that she's really like kind of hopping through various multiverses. I don't know if there's a plural or if it's just the multiverse. I'm not like a physicist, I guess, um, or a Marvel character at that. Um, But, you know, while she's jumping through like the multiverse, um, we do see like often Evelyn is kind of like talking to her daughter or maybe the IRS auditor. She's kind of in one situation. And the next thing we know, she's kind of distracted, hopping into a different multiverse, um, you know, kind of seems very uh, 
distractible, having a hard time concentrating on one thing. And so in the context of that, you can kind of think of it as, no, Evelyn's really just being drawn into the multiverse because she has to save the world. Or maybe there's like something else going on, like undiagnosed ADHD. Yeah, and I think there's some other interesting examples, especially earlier on in the film before she starts jumping back in the multiverse. Um, you kind of <laughs> notice, like, she has a ton of stuff going on. And there's even a nice yes. clip where um, she's walking through the laundromat and she says she's very busy. Joy is trying to explain some things to her and, and says, like, you're always busy. Mom, what? Mom, just wait. Wait, wait, no time to wait. Just today. please. Joy, any other time, I bet you to come and eat. Oh, call me or anything, but today very busy. Oh, this is literally what it's always Wrong like. Wrong pain. Um, and mom is very distracted by like mm-hmm. different noises she hears in the laundromat and, you know, thinking about other things that she has to do. Um, so she does seem to have this pattern of maybe like bouncing from topic to topic or having a hard time staying focused on one thing. There's even a quote a little bit later where she says, If I have to think of one more thing today, my head will explode. But again... This could be undiagnosed ADHD. It could also be someone who's completely overwhelmed and has so many things on their mind that they're having a hard time focusing on just one of them. Um, You can imagine like anyone who has all the things going on, like Evelyn has going on right now, would probably have a hard time focusing on one of them because her mind is constantly bouncing to the 15 other things that she has on her to-do list, which seems to just be a general state of being for her. That's a great point, Dr. Fran. And I do think something we've touched on in the past and definitely in our ELF episode as well is Teasing apart like anxiety and ADHD can actually be very difficult because if people are anxious, you can imagine that they're having a lot of worried thoughts, anxious thoughts, um, and those tend to be very distracting, which make it hard to pay attention to other things, make it hard to remember, um, which are also things that you can see in people that have ADHD. And so I think that's a really nice example that you gave in the scene when Evelyn and Joy are talking. Joy's actually trying to talk to her mom about something very important. She wants to, and we'll get into the family dynamics in this scene a little bit more, but she is trying to have an important conversation with her mom, and her mom is like distracted at, oh, there's a new customer up at the front. Let me go talk to this customer. Oh, I need to find the customer's clothing. Oh, there's a customer I want to invite to our um, Chinese New Year party tonight. Oh, there's little like eyeballs on the bags, right? It's just like her mind's moving like a million miles an hour, and it is because she's also trying to juggle the customers, the business, the party, you know, all of the things that we mentioned in the synopsis above so you know i think it is a very complex you know it would be very complex we need to kind of get to know a little bit more about evelyn to be able to tease those apart but i think also really adds to the movie because even when she's not jumping across the multiverse we see it and then when she's in the multiverse it's definitely you know a whole new level of how her mind is working we get to see it in a different way and very visually as well So it sounds like the jury is still out on whether we would diagnose Evelyn with ADHD and we'd need a lot more information as we typically do in these situations. But another another kind of mental health theme potentially that comes up when we think about Evelyn and other characters potentially is kind of this, this state of unhappiness or depression maybe or even I don't know if it's like low self-worth maybe of just like not thinking very positively about herself and her accomplishments. And that ends up becoming a theme throughout the movie. Yes, very early on, um, Evelyn, when, so I guess like kind of for context, Evelyn is with the IRS auditor when she first like starts to realize like something's amiss and she is kind of getting pulled um, aside to learn information about why she is needed to kind of help save the world. And this is done by a different version of her husband, Waymond. So she had been at the IRS auditor's office with her husband, but all of a sudden he's saying that he's actually from a different multiverse and he knew a different version of Evelyn. And now he's trying to recruit 
this Evelyn, the Evelyn that we all know and love, to help him save the world by defeating this, like, at the time, unknown villain. And so in the context of this, you know, scene, and as it goes on, she starts to learn the ability to jump through different universes. And in doing so, we kind of see that these are all different Evelyns. So they're Evelyns that had made different decisions, went down different paths, like they're other versions of the life she could have led. And at one point, the husband even says to her in one of the scenes, My dear Evelyn, I know you. With every passing moment, you feel you might have missed your chance to make something of your life. I'm here to tell you, every rejection, every disappointment, has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. Like, you think that you missed your chance to do something great, right? Like, you feel like your life isn't really the way that you expected or the way that you wanted. And at one point, the comment is even made that the reason why this Evelyn is the best candidate to save the world is because she's actually the worst version of herself. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. No. I see it so clearly. See what? I'm no good at anything. Exactly. I've seen thousands of Evelyns, but never an Evelyn like you. You have so many goals you never finished, dreams you never followed. You're living your worst you. I can't be the worst. What about the hot dog one? No. Can't you see? Every failure here branched off into a success for another Evelyn and another life. Most people only have a few significant alternate life paths so close to them. But you, here, you're capable of anything because you're so bad at everything. And because she's the worst version of herself, she can draw on all the other more superior Evelyns and use their skills. And so that's why she's like going to be the hero or heroine rather, but also at the same time, like kind of playing into that idea of her poor self-worth. Like she didn't make the right choices or didn't go the right path or isn't as happy. And so now this is her like one chance maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And I think even what you just described is often a common theme we might see in different movies or books. I'm thinking of like this, where someone is not happy with the present life that they're living in and they get to kind of explore the different other worlds that could have happened if they made different choices. And so there's like a pretty powerful part where she is in that like professional singer life where actually she had left Waymond and didn't end up marrying him and chose her career becomes this like very famous professional singer and seems like, wow, why didn't I make this choice? This life is so much better than the one I have at my laundromat. Um, And so she's kind of comparing the life that she's living to other lives that she could have had and, and feeling that she fails in comparison to those other versions of herself. Definitely. And I think what's interesting about that other parallel when she's the famous Evelyn, and we'll talk a little bit more about her and Wayman's relationship, but at the end of it, like when things play out, she kind of comes back to Wayman. She sees him. He's like at one of her performances or something, or they kind of meet up um, in that version of the universe. And she kind of goes back to him and like, you know, realizes that maybe she made a mistake by not ending up with Wayman, right? But it's kind of this like, catch 22 but if she had ended up with layman she wouldn't have been this famous person and she can't be with him now so you know even in these other universes where she feels like she's better or could be happier there still seems like some things maybe that were amiss i think one of the things that's really interesting with evelyn too is not only do we kind of see her aspirations or the things that she had wished had happened when she's in the other universes but one of the things we also see in i guess like the quote-unquote like 
real version of Evelyn's life is while she's doing the IRS audit, she has a ton of receipts that she is crediting to her business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are for like cookbooks and karaoke machine, um, like, you know, uh, classes to be a writer or a singer and it's kind of showing like all of these other ambitions that Evelyn has or maybe things that she thought that she could pursue or be good at so we're kind of seeing that parallel of like her kind of reaching for more wanting more yeah absolutely and I think to your earlier point it is pretty common with this theme or this like plot that we might see in other movies and books or other like pieces of art that by the end, they kind of realize, like, okay, maybe the version yeah. <laughs> that I'm in right now actually, like, does have positives. And even those ones that I, like, aspire, like, being a professional singer or being a chef or being a martial arts expert, maybe none of those things would be as fulfilling either, right? There are pros and cons to any of those lives. And spoiler, spoiler alert, Joy or Evelyn kind of comes to the realization at the end that she can make the most out of the life that she has, even though it hasn't turned out exactly the way she had planned or hoped. Spoiler alert, indeed, Dr. Fran. I was about to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We still have to get through the multiverse and an everything bagel black hole and all of her relationships to come to that realization. So we'll pump the brakes on that. <laughs> Relatedly, you know, Evelyn isn't the only person that we're kind of seeing unhappiness. So, you know, we've talked about Evelyn. There's definitely seems to be like unhappiness with the way her life turned out, whether that's like her marriage, her profession, you know. But we also see that other people are seemingly unhappy or kind of struggling as well. And one of those characters is Joy, Evelyn's daughter. Is it Joy or Jobu Topaki? <laughs> well, first, Joy. <laughs> we first encounter Joy early on, and it's made very apparent from, I think, like the first five minutes of the movie that Joy and Evelyn have a very strange relationship. Yeah. And we're about to really dive into that in a second. But when we're looking at just Joy alone, we learn that in the Alphaverse, and apparently the Alphaverse is one of the universes in which Jobu Tabaki is created, okay? So in this universe, Evelyn pushed her daughter so hard, you know, with her expectations and what she thought was best for her, that Joy breaks. She gets to the point of breaking and she breaks. And all of this pressure is what leads to Joy becoming Jobu. And having the ability to simultaneously experience, I think, all of the universes at the same time, which is a very, like, overwhelming and painful experience, apparently. Exactly. Jobu is, like, you know, has this presence where she can go to every universe and she can experience everything, anything, all at once. So she kind of has this ability and this power, but that has been very difficult for her. And basically, we learn that kind of, with all of this power and all this boredom and downtime, that she creates the Everything Bagel. So let's listen to Jobu describe a little bit about what this bagel actually is. I got bored one day when I put everything on a bagel. Everything. All my hopes and dreams, my old report cards, every breed of dog, every last personal ad on Craigslist. Sesame, poppy seed, salt. And it collapsed in on itself. Because <laughs> you see, when you really put everything on a bagel, it becomes this. Come on. Come on, Evelyn. The truth. What is the truth? Nothing... 
matters. Oh, Joy. You don't believe that? Feels nice, doesn't it? If nothing matters, then all the pain and guilt you feel for making nothing of your life goes away. Sucked into a bagel. I'm going to be honest, the everything bagel was very confusing to me and was part of the film that I was like, I don't know if I can wrap my head around this. Like, it's so out there. Uh, but I do appreciate there's a lot of parallels being made here. And like, it's a metaphor, right? Um, and a lot of like very poignant things that Jobu Tapaki is saying to Evelyn in this moment. Yeah, basically, you know, she starts off by saying that the first thing she put on this bagel, right, were like her hopes and dreams. And then it gets a little sillier with like sesame and dogs and whatever. But, you know, Jobu's so powerful and in such despair that in her boredom, she created this bagel. She put everything into it. But because she put her all into it, it just collapsed in itself, right? Which that in itself is kind of a, a very strong metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's like, you could see it as like she tried really hard, right? Or she like did, did her best or she, you know, and then it was all for naught. And here Jobu even mentions like, you know, all of the pain and guilt that I have felt because I've made nothing of my life kind of, you know, it doesn't matter if nothing else matters. Right. Um, and f- like listeners, you can't see this scene, but if you've seen the movie or if you remember, but Jobu, while she's explaining the bagel and talking about all this, she's actually tearing up, like tears are dropping down her face. So she's saying nothing matters and, you know, that this is going to help us es- escape these like unpleasant emotions um, you know, because her life has amounted to nothing. But we do see that she's feeling sad about this. I think there's also a, a pretty important parallel between how Jobu is feeling and how we can per- perceive Evelyn to be feeling, right? That, like, she feels like not that she's made nothing of her life and that she has all mm-hmm. these, like, maybe pain and guilt for, like, not meeting expectations for herself, for her father, or, like, other people in her life. And so there, it's interesting that we're kind of seeing that reflected, what Evelyn might be feeling in Jobu, who's, like, a few, a different version of her daughter. I agree with that, Dr. Fran. It's almost like a mirror, right? Like, you could kind of mm-hmm. see that maybe, like, as a child, like, I'm not sure how old Joy is, but she definitely seems like a young adult age. Um, But, you know, maybe growing up and with Evelyn as her mother, like, if Evelyn has been unhappy or dissatisfied or kind of struggling in this way, Joy could have very well also in taken in that she was part of that a part of her mother's unhappiness right like she wasn't good enough or she wasn't meeting her mother's expectations and so I think that there's a lot of that a lot of this kind of like reflection and parallel and I think as the movie progresses it gets a little even sadder I think Mm -hmm. because Evelyn eventually learns from Jobu you know Evelyn has been told that they need to stop Jobu because Jobu's trying to destroy everything with the everything bagel But Jobu shares that actually she did not create the bagel to destroy everything. She created the bagel to try to destroy herself. Mm -hmm. She said that her aim was to go into this bagel to see if she could die. Because apparently she had tried to die and couldn't. And she thought that this everything bagel black hole would finally be the link to kill her. And that before she went into the bagel, she was trying to search for an Evelyn or a mother, right? She was trying to search for a version of her mom that could really understand and empathize with her. You know why I actually built the bagel? It wasn't to destroy everything. It was to destroy myself. 
I wanted to see if I went in, could I finally escape? Like actually die. At least this way. I don't have to do it alone. And it seems like she found one, right? She found maybe one of the only Evelyns who could understand her because she feels like she's failed at everything and has made all these wrong choices. Um, and it, it, it's kind of a paradox, right? Because by having nothing matter, it takes away the pain and guilt. But then that also may lead to being like, well, what's the point of being alive anymore, right? Um, so it's almost like exactly. the bagel is serving as a way to escape the pain and guilt, but also just this culmination of like, what's the point of living or like nothing really matters. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. And you're right, right? She finally found the correct Evelyn and the quote unquote worst Evelyn, right? The Evelyn that is the worst version of herself, yeah. that's why she's the hero, <laughs> um, is the version that can maybe understand Jobu. And interestingly, she has thought that her goal was to sh- destroy do- Jobu. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we talk and we go on kind of more about their relationship, it's actually to like save Jobu, right? Or to make that connection. Right. Um, and you were mentioning this, like, vicious cycle that Jobu is trapped in. Like, you know, okay, I created the bagel um, to kind of stop the pain and suffering. Um, and if nothing matters, then my feelings don't matter either. And it doesn't matter that I've done nothing. And then you're kind of like, oh, but then that leads to more despair. Right. And so what you're describing, in a sense, is a form of philosophy known as nihilism. Um, and so this is another common theme or topic that has come up for discussion with this movie. And, you know, Dr. Fran and I are not philosophers, so we're not going to, like, you know, take a deep dive into nihilism. It's definitely very interesting. And in general, the relationship and history between psychology and philosophy is also very interesting and maybe something we can kind of touch on in the future. But for today, what's important, I think, to kind of, you know, on the surface, understand about nihilism is that it's really like a a group of views that kind of rejects generally accepted ideas of human existence. So like that there is an objective truth, that there is knowledge, that there's morality, values, and that there is meaning to life. In fact, most people that kind of like think in a nihilistic way kind of think nothing can be known, right? There, There's just nothing that can be known. There is no meaning. Um, and like we described and what Jobu is experiencing, she's kind of maybe prescribed to this way of thinking, right? Nothing matters. And if nothing matters, um, then that's really better for me than feeling all this pain. However, having this way of thinking can lead to more despair and depression and negative emotions. Yeah. And I wonder if we're getting hints too that Evelyn might be heading down this path if she's not already there already, because she's kind of being reflected in Jobu of if she's thinking that like everything that she's done has been a failure, she might be thinking, what's the point? And like, maybe that there is no meaning. Um, And by going through this whole you know, progression or journey through the multiverse, maybe she starts to get a little bit of that back. It's funny that you say that. There's a very small scene where like Jobu takes Evelyn's hands and is like, let me show you, like, let me open up your mind. Mm. And I think that's exactly like what you're hinting to is like, you know, through their shared experiences, you know, they have obviously very different lives and different experiences, but through their shared experiences, maybe um, they're kind of coming to more similar viewpoints and, You know, I think when we discuss the very end of the movie, that will really come full circle, just like the bagel. (laughs) (laughs) Another parallel, another metaphor. Uh, So another another theme kind of related to the nihilism is also like this movie is very existential. Um, There's a lot of like existential Mm -hmm. themes in this movie. And when we talk about that, we're kind of talking about exploring like the problem of human existence and like 
what does it even mean to have these experiences of like thinking, feeling, and acting? So like, what are meaning, what's the meaning of life? What is the purpose? What is the value of human existence and experience? Um, this is something that often comes up in the therapeutic context where we might have people like Joy or like Evelyn who might be struggling with like, what is the purpose of my life? Or like, what, where do I derive meaning? What are things that are important to me? What are valuable? Um, and there are some types of therapy that like really focus on working through that and working through those like existential questions that people might have. And you may have heard of existential angst, which I think also really pertains sometimes like what you might see people experiencing when they come to therapy and also in this movie, which is really the anxiety that someone is experiencing because they are faced with like a meaningless world, right? Which is really what Jobu is describing here. Yeah. So a lot of themes within like the Jobu Topaki's character, but also Evelyn that seemed to really be mirrored and shared across those two characters. Um, and, and so I'm wondering if it might be a good time to transition into talking about the relationship between Joy and Evelyn slash Joy and Jobu. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you could argue that they are different relationships, I guess, but then later, I guess, cross paths. <laughs> Don't think too hard about it or it gets too confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's the multiverse is always confusing. <laughs> so like I alluded to earlier, we see from the beginning of the movie that Evelyn and Joy have a strained relationship. So Dr. Fran had mentioned the scene where Joy is trying to talk to Evelyn and Evelyn's kind of like, you know, doing all these different tasks, running through the laundromat. Well, really, Joy is there to try to talk to her mother about sharing her relationship with her girlfriend, with her grandfather. And she's really asking Evelyn, like, Mom, can my girlfriend Becky come to the Chinese New Year's party tonight? And are we going to tell Grandpa that Becky is my girlfriend? And and Evelyn is really against this. She even makes the comment, like, Grandpa just flew in from China today. We don't want him to get off the plane, share this news, and have him die of a heart attack. And so, you know... Joy was already feeling apprehensive about this conversation, as you can see in the movie, and it does not go well, and she leaves, like, feeling very upset. And this is really the first interaction that we see between them. Mm -hmm. um, and even leading up to uh, Joy kind of having the courage to ask her mom this, Evelyn is kind of being critical of Joy, saying, you know, you never come by, you never call, like, I never see you, and then when I finally see you, I'm too busy for you. So, you know, we just are already seeing that there can be a lot of conflict here in this relationship. I know you haven't always liked Becky, okay? But I like Becky. She's very nice. His heart cannot take it, especially after such a long flight. You want him to come all the way from China to die like that? He's not going to die. That's not what I mean. We've been together for three years. Don't you think Gong Gong would want to know? Let him enjoy his party tonight. <laughs> Mom, can we please talk about Becky? I still don't know what his brain is thinking. Can Becky come tonight or not? Stop changing the subject. Yeah, and I think the fact that it's showed this way so early in the movie is probably supposed to give us the sense that this is a pretty common interaction between them. It's probably mm -hmm. a common pattern where Evelyn may accidentally or purposely ignore or dismiss things that uh, Joy may be bringing or like something Joy thinks is super important that she's like wanting to, to have mom like really sit down and pay attention to and be present for. Mom is distracted and has other things going on and may not be as attentive as Joy is really needing in that moment. And also getting very mixed signals about whether or not mom is accepting or validating mm -hmm. of her experience and her feelings. So, you know, mom uh, starts talking about Becky and she's using like male pronouns and Joy corrects her. And, and you know, mom kind of makes a comment like, well, it's just my English. And also you can't blame me. Like, look how Becky dresses. Right. And then she later makes a comment about 
you know, we can't tell grandpa about Becky, but you're lucky you have such a cool and accepting mom, right? But it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, those are her words, but then Joy's also hearing, well, you're accepting, but you're not inviting my girlfriend to this important party, right? So there's a lot of mixed signals, and it's in very stark contrast to when Joy says hi to her dad, Waymond, uh, Evelyn's husband, right? (laughs) Um, When she says hi to dad, dad is just like, hi and hi Becky and he's really excited he's like Becky don't call me by my last name call me Wayman like you know just much more like warm and inviting versus mom and Evelyn kind of having a very uh like tense interaction style yeah and we can imagine just based on what we learn about Jobu and Evelyn like other Evelyn from this other multiverse that we don't end up actually meeting at any point but we learn Mm -hmm. kind of that like this relationship that we're kind of seeing with Joy and Evelyn is maybe like exacerbated or like even more strained or, you know, Evelyn is more harsh and critical and puts pressure on her and expectations to the point that Jobu ends up breaking, right? Like Dr. Sam mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. And so we can kind of see some parallels maybe, but obviously we don't see the Jobu original Evelyn relationship outlined, but we can maybe see how in both situations in both universes, that that relationship is very strained. Very true. And Joy does make some comments about that early on in this scene, as well as later, which we'll discuss. But after all of this happens and um, uh, Joy is getting ready to leave with Becky, Evelyn comes running out and she's like, wait, Joy, wait, I want to say something to you. And you, I feel like as the viewer, you kind of think like, oh, Maybe she's going to apologize for being busy. Maybe she's going to say, like, yeah, bring Becky. And instead she says, Joy, wait, please. I have something to say to you. What? You? You have to try and eat healthier. You are getting fat. You're looking fat. (laughs) Oh, that was, like, such a painful, such a painful scene. Yes. So she delivers, like, a very, like, hypercritical comment, right? And then you can tell that even Joy was maybe expecting more and then is kind of defeated and leaves. And so, you know, uh, just another kind of window into this this relationship, and I think similar to what Dr. Fran was saying, kind of showing potentially those parallels between the Evelyn and the Alphaverse and how she treated Jobu. Yeah, and I I think that's a really important scene to bring back up Dr. Sam, especially because I think it indicates like what the viewer anticipates is that maybe Mm -hmm. Evelyn like has a desire for things to change or a desire for things to be better, but is stuck in these old habits and patterns where she ends up being critical instead of warm and, and uh, supportive, for example, or she kind of like has those mixed signals where sometimes she's able to be supportive and open and accepting verbally. And then sometimes she isn't. Uh, So we can kind of see that as like a good example of like, she probably wants things to be better. And I think Joy does too. And they keep trying, but it's just not quite connected yet exactly it's trickier and you know it's almost the kind of thing uh joy also mentions at one point that her mom will make comments like that because that's how she shows she cares Mm -hmm. and i think like you know so she's kind of trying to internalize it that way like yes my mom makes these comments but this is how she shows that she cares and kind of what you're saying like it could be the moment where evelyn was thinking like well maybe i should say something else to her but I don't know what to say. Um, but she's not looking healthy. And like, I know something's wrong. And then it comes out like, you look fat. <laughs> right. <laughs> not something most young adults want to hear from their parent. No. Um, and it comes up again and again in the movie, actually. It's like at least three times that this like theme of the mom uh, criticizing her appearance come up. <laughs> yeah. 
One of the other scenes that I think is really interesting, so once Joy has become Jobu, there is a scene in which, you know, after she's described the bagel and Evelyn knows that it's her mission to destroy Jobu, there's actually the Alpha Grandpa, so Grandpa from the Alpha Multiverse where Jobu was created. He is there, and he tells Evelyn, like, you need to kill Jobu. Like, this is your chance. And let's actually listen to the scene because I think it is the first implication or at least, like, the first indication where um, uh, Evelyn is starting to warm up a little bit and we start to get a little bit more insight into like the way that she feels and shows that she cares towards her daughter. Quickly. While she is distracted. It's only protocol that gives her one less universe to access. How do you expect to defeat her in every universe if you can't even kill her in one? She's your granddaughter. How do you think I feel? But it's a sacrifice that is necessary to win the war. Okay, there we go. You must do it. I won't let you kill her. Don't you see what is happening to your mind? In my universe, you push your own daughter too hard until you broke her. <laughs> you, you created Jobu Tapake. When did he get so good at English? Now I must stop you. Otherwise, it's only a matter of time before you become just like her. Here's kind of the context we've been alluding to where how we like the origin story for Jobu, right? And I almost feel like this is a little bit of like a cautionary tale for Evelyn of like, Hey, here's what happened in this other universe where it was, you were very critical and you put a lot of pressure on Jobu to the point or on joy to the point that she became Jobu. And this like horrible thing has happened and she's in so much pain. Um, and, And I don't think it's alpha grandpa's mission here, but it's almost giving her like this warning of like, if you continue down the path you're on, things could turn out really poorly. Exactly. And his goal is really like, we. this is our chance. He says, we have to kill Jobu in every multiverse because that limits her power. And so he hands Evelyn a knife, which is what you couldn't see in the clip, and asks her to kill Jobu. But of course she refuses and she kind of comes to the realization like, no, this is not the way and like, I am not going to kill her. And we're kind of starting to see like, she's had some conversations with Jobu now. Jobu's kind of shared about the bagel and things like that. Like, is she starting maybe to kind of see a little bit more of Jobu's perspective, right? And kind of understand her a little bit more. I think um, just in the context of thinking about like grandpa and Evelyn and Joy slash Jobu, it might be an important time to, to kind of bring up like intergenerational dynamics, right? Like we're, we have three generations here of this family and we're seeing how dynamics between grandpa and Evelyn and Evelyn and Joy are kind of playing out and maybe even repeating a little bit. And so we're really seeing them in the modern day, right? Like in the main universe, I guess, with Evelyn. Um, But I think what's important uh, to note here is that there is a history, right? Like there, you know, there's a lot of like context and history, some that we don't even see in the movie, between what has happened between Evelyn and her father, and then now what has happened and happening between Evelyn and Joy. And so Dr. Fran mentioned these are some inter- generational dynamics i think it's also important to note like you know every family and every context has like intergenerational dynamics Mm -hmm. and also there is a a cultural piece here um and i think it's a little more um unique that we see 
and different that we see in other movies because it's also um, a family where the generations are from uh, different countries, right? So Grandpa is from China. He's visiting from China. Evelyn was born in China and then came to the U.S. with Wayman. And then Joy was born in the U.S. and is a Chinese-American woman, just like her mother. So, you know, I think we have the intergenerational family dynamics, but then also dynamics um, related to their culture and background, which is just important to know. And I know that this is a theme that comes up a lot when this movie is discussed, Mm -hmm. um, as well as a term called intergenerational trauma related to that. Yeah, and I think we have seen a lot of articles come out and talk about intergenerational trauma within the context of this movie. So I thought it was important to kind of define it and talk about how it may or may not fit here. So when we're talking about intergenerational trauma, it's an idea used to explain when there's like years of of trauma or challenges that have happened within the family. And this could be um, some kind of historical event. So this term was originally developed in the context of um, great-grandparents who had been in concentration camps during World War II and then had learned to cope in a certain way and then And because of that, they interacted in a certain way with their children. And then their children were impacted by that and then passed that on in some ways or that had an influence on the second generation. And we don't know what the history is for grandpa. We don't know if he's experienced traumatic events. Um, We don't know the situation for Evelyn either, like kind of leading up to this moment. Um, You know, there is some interesting research and information on intergenerational trauma, particularly among like oppressed groups or minoritized groups. So there has been some conversation about how being um, of of a marginalized population can have an influence on how people interact with their children or how they parent and different styles Mm -hmm. like that, that can then have an influence. So again, kind of bigger context and bigger picture uh, definition here. And we can see ways that this could potentially play out in the movie, but without a lot of historical context for this family, we can't quite say like, oh, for sure, we see intergenerational trauma here. Yeah, definitely. And I think in general, when we talk about these characters in movies or the people in the movies that are being portrayed, um, they are complex, right? So there can be there can be intergenerational uh, trauma or challenges at play. There are personality factors, right? There are a lot of different things that go into these relationships and the parenting. Um, but we do think that this is an interesting topic that is potentially portrayed and that we've heard discussed in the movie. Um, so we did want to talk about the relationships um, in the different generations of this family. So between Evelyn and her father and then Evelyn and Joy, and then even kind of like we do see a little bit of the the relationship between like grandpa and Joy, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of even crossing. Um, So we can kind of start off with talking about Evelyn and her dad, I think. Yeah, we've kind of alluded to this already, but there seems to be this really strong pull for Evelyn not wanting to disappoint her father. She is worried about Mm -hmm. kind of like the perception that he has of her and even of her raising of her daughter or how he perceives Joy because that likely reflects on how he views Evelyn or that at least is her perception. And so we've kind of talked about already how Evelyn seems to wanting to hide that Joy has a girlfriend um, and that mm-hmm. she doesn't really want to share like worries or any bad news about the business. Like definitely what doesn't want him to know that the IRS is auditing the laundromat, yeah. <laughs> um, anything that could perceive her in a negative light. She wants to kind of keep personal or keep uh, hidden from her father. Yeah, so much so that they were trying to think about ways like, you know, grandpa was going to be there and they had to go meet for the audit so that's actually why joy and becky were there were to help watch the grandpa Mm -hmm. but they end up taking the grandpa um who i believe in the movie they mentioned like he doesn't uh speak english so he they're like we'll just bring him and he won't really know about the audit but they're definitely very worried about him learning that the business isn't going well um and in the movie we get just a little context so in one of the scenes when she when evelyn is going through the multiverse um, we do see 
where she makes the decision of whether or not she is going to leave her family and leave China to be with Wayman and come to the U.S. So we kind of see this as a critical point. Her family is portrayed as being like upset, not really accepting either the relationship or her decision to leave them and to leave China. Um, and then I feel like this all comes like really full circle in one scene at the end, like after Evelyn has kind of gone through this journey of hopping through the multiverse, kind of getting the perspective from Jobu and other perspectives along the way, she confronts her father and she lets her dad know like that he has also hurt her. She says to him like, you know, like how could you let me go so easily? Like when I left home, like how could you let me go and how did you let me go so easily um and you know she says to her dad it's okay if you're not proud of me and it's okay now because now i'm proud of myself Mm -hmm. and so you know i feel like in her letting dad know that we really see that that's something that's weighed on her she's like she's worried about disappointing him not living up to his expectations of him not being proud and now through her more more recent experiences, she realizes it's okay because I'm proud of myself. And actually, I have some hurt feelings about how they let me go and didn't maintain the relationship, right? She kind of realizes it's not as one-sided as maybe she had felt and kind of carried the burden for a while. She also says in this conversation, I just want to mention briefly to the dad, she says that she worried like all of Joy's young life that Joy was going to grow up to be just like Evelyn. And that's Mm. something that she was really worried about. And so she lets the dad know, you know, actually, Joy turned out to be, and she kind of names some, like, not-so-flattering words. But she turned out to be stubborn, aimless, a mess, just like a mother. But then at the end, you hear she says, and that's okay because she did turn out to be just like me, and that's not a bad thing. And so she's also coming to terms with, like, not feeling like her, what she perceived to be shortcomings that she saw also in herself and saw in joy, that that isn't a negative thing. Yeah, and that shows a lot of growth, I think, and a lot of improvements in the way that she thinks about herself and then also potentially that relationship with Joy and kind of related to the intergenerational dynamics. Like, we kind of see potentially, like, this pattern of, Evelyn feeling like she's constantly disappointing her father and that she's not good enough mm-hmm. and that she's a disappointment and failing at a lot of things might be reacting in her relationship with Joy. Joy is some, in some ways feeling that towards mom, like I'm not good enough. I'm disappointing her. She's not happy with me. And some of that could be that that's been modeled for Evelyn. So Ma- Evelyn mm-hmm. saw that her father interacted that way. She's kind of learned that behavior and is doing that to her daughter inadvertently, um, or even just like the responses and the reactions that she had by having that relationship with her father it impacts her in a way that she also plays that out with her own daughter. And and again, that's kind of like a pivotal moment when Evelyn's making these realizations because the idea is that now she can interact differently and potentially break that cycle. And I think that's partly why she doesn't want Joy to share the news about her girlfriend with Grandpa because she is maybe afraid and maybe she's projecting her own like feelings or insecurities onto Grandpa, but she's afraid that Grandpa is going to be disappointed Mm -hmm. in Joy, right? And so she kind of, I think, in her mind, thinks she's, like, protecting Joy, but is really, like, hurt, is really hurting Joy, and that's, like, something that upsets her. And so in this scene, it ends with Evelyn introducing Grandpa to Becky and introducing Becky as Joy's girlfriend. However, it doesn't go, I think, quite as Evelyn would have liked, because then Joy storms off. (laughs) Um, I do want to add just like one more caution before we kind of get into the resolution or what kind of what happens uh, towards the end of the film with Joy and Evelyn. Um, there 
have been, there's a lot of conversations again uh, within the context of like Dr. Sam was mentioning culture and like the immigration status and, and just different elements of this being like a Chinese American family um, and the different mm-hmm. generational impacts of that. And there had been a book that came out um, called Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother, which kind of popularized this concept of Chinese American immigrant mothers as being very strict um, and as opposed to the more like permissive Western parenting. Um, and it became this kind of popularized stereotype almost of how like Chinese immigrant mothers interacted with their children. And so I wanted to just share, and we'll put this on the website too, some interesting research has come out when we look at Chinese immigrant mothers um, and kind of balancing the cultures that the majority of mothers who were interviewed from coming from this background were able to kind of take from their Chinese culture, but also from the American culture and try to balance autonomy and individuality with maintaining a sense of relatedness uh, and, and community within the family. And so, so we wanted to kind of be sensitive about how we're talking about these themes and, and not wanting to stigmatize or stereotype what we're just seeing in the movie, right? This is just Joy, Evelyn, and uh, Grandpa. I don't know if we even know his name, <laughs> but it's just it's this one family example. And some people who may come from a Chinese family may see things that are similar to them and, and may notice themes that relate to their own family. But I think particularly as Dr. Sam and I are not coming from that cultural background, we want to be very careful to not make generalizations about like an entire culture based on what we're seeing in this movie. Very true. And, you know, we always like to highlight just like how every individual is unique and even people that are from similar backgrounds or similar cultures are going to have different experiences and different perspectives. Um, And, you know, with this movie focusing on a Chinese American family and um, their background and their experiences, you know, families that may relate to certain aspects Um, will not relate to all. And I think it is interesting to note that we did cover some similar topics or themes in our Turning Red session, Mm -hmm. um, which also portrays a Chinese-American family. So, you know, if you're interested in learning a little bit... Chinese-Canadian, actually. Oh, that portray a Chinese-Canadian family. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if those are topics that you're interested in learning a little bit more about, that one also does talk about, like, intergenerational dynamics between the mothers, well, between mothers, between the main character's mom and then that, her mom and her grandmother. So, you know, kind of related, obviously different as well. But if those are topics or themes that you're interested in, that might be another uh, cool session to check out or movie to watch if you haven't seen it. Yeah, there were a lot of themes as we were kind of talking about what we were going to cover today. There were a lot of parallels between this movie and that movie, mostly because they're about like the mother-daughter relationship and kind of how parenting Mm -hmm. might impact a child or adolescents or young adults like search for autonomy and, and the kind of the conflicts that can come up around that and this constant struggle to like, I want the best for you and I want to find that balance between like not making you feel like I'm always disappointed in you, but also wanting to support you and help you grow and, um, spoiler alert, both of these movies end with like a positive resolution between the mother and daughter relationship, which is obviously what we would like to see. True. That is nice. That is nice about both of these movies. Um, And there are a lot of things that impact parenting. And I think both of these movies kind of touch upon like cultural aspects of parenting as well, which aren't always portrayed. Yeah. So let's go back to how Evelyn and resolves the relationship with, I guess, both of her versions of her daughters, Jobu and Joy. <laughs> yes. And, you know, so for context, Evelyn and Jobu have been battling. They've been having conversations, talking about the bagel, talking about the meaning of life or lack thereof, you know. So she's gone through this whole journey. And at the very end, Jobu asked Evelyn to come with her into the bagel. So let's listen to a little bit of that confrontation and resolution between Evelyn and Jobu first. 
come on. Oh. I get it. Feeling a good thing. They got your hopes up. So I'm here to save you some time. Eventually, that all just goes away. a really touching scene for a lot of reasons i think again you're seeing how much pain jobu is in again of just like just give up on me like don't even bother like your life's gonna be terrible and like i'm just gonna go into this black hole bagel forever and 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 end my suffering and at the same time we're seeing evelyn really decide she is not going to give up on her daughter or even this version of her daughter and doesn't want her to go through with like permanently ending her existence it's also really sad because even though Jobu's saying like there is no, there are no positive feelings, like there is no meaning to life, you can see that she is disappointed, that she feels like she did find an Evelyn who maybe understands her finally, mm-hmm. and this Evelyn still isn't going to come with her into the bagel, right? Because that's kind of what she has wanted out of all of this. Um, and so, you know, she is disappointed. She tries to jump into the bagel. And then finally, Evelyn tells Jobu like, I am your mom, and she reaches out and saves Jobu from the despair of the bagel. Um, And I think that this is a really nice scene. Like what you're saying, it's very touching because Evelyn has not given up, and she's literally pulling Joy, sorry, Jobu, from the pits of despair. Like it is like an action that she's literally doing in this sense, very visually. And then in trying to save Jobu, she gets support from her father and her husband, right? And so we kind of see also in this scene, you couldn't really see it, but you kind of hear Jobu allude to this. It seems like Evelyn and Waymond have kind of come together again. Um, She also uh, has confronted her father and her and her father have come together. And so now they're all supporting her and they're trying to pull jobu back into so i think it's like a very like literal depiction of them Mm -hmm. supporting her um as well as it is you know kind of more metaphorical too yeah and it reminds me of the other scene which i think is around this point where they're the rocks and we're not going to play that because there's no sound (laughs) um it's only subtitles of how the rocks are speaking to each other but it's very similar where jobu keeps scooting away and is like leave me alone and joy is like physically Mm -hmm. moving towards her of like no i'm not going to leave you alone and so again it's just this visual depiction of evelyn not wanting to give up and wanting to really try to salvage some hope uh from jobu and, and have her not feel as much in this pit of despair When you were saying that, Dr. Fran, it reminds me of some other sessions that we've talked about where when people are maybe feeling like they have low self-worth or they're feeling, you know, just like in despair or depressed or upset, like negative emotions, oftentimes 
a not very helpful coping mechanism is to push others mm-hmm. away, right? It kind of reminds me even like from a couple um, holiday seasons when we did the Grinch, right? We kind of talked about how the Grinch would push people away. Yeah. And actually, if when people push you away when they need you and you give into that and you go away, they start to learn like, I'm right. I push people away and they actually don't come back and they don't help me and I knew they weren't going to. And I think Evelyn has started to display like whether she's the rock, whether she's like whatever character in the multiverse and Jobu and Joy, that she is going to be there and she's not going to walk away. Yeah, and, and luckily we see that translate in a in a different way, maybe not as visual of a way to her relationship with Joy in like the original universe where this all started. Another parallel to Turning Red, though, because in Turning Red, we very literally see, you know, at the end of that um, movie in session, when we talk about the whole family comes together to create a chain to save another character. So mm-hmm. kind of what we see here with uh, Jobu, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Families coming together. We love to see it. So, But how does that translate into the non-multiverse, regular universe of Evelyn's life? Last we talked about, or last we mentioned, Joy had stormed off when she's mad at her mother. Shall we listen to how that conversation goes? A little bit different than the one with Jobu. Mom! Just, just stop! Good for you. You're figuring your shit out. That's great. I'm really, really happy for you. But I'm tired. I don't want to hurt anymore. And for some reason, when I'm with you, it just, it just hurts the both of us. So let's just go our separate ways, okay? Just let me go. Okay. getting fat and you never call me even though we have a family plan and it's free you only visit when you need something you got a tattoo and i don't care if it's supposed to represent our family you know i hate tattoos and of all the places i could be why would i want to be here with you yes you're right it doesn't make sense evelyn let her finish Maybe it's like you said. Maybe there is something out there. Some new discovery that will make us feel like even small pieces of shit. Something that explains why you still went looking for me through all of this mess. And why? No matter what, I still want to be here with you. Always, always want to hear with you. So what? I'm just gonna ignore everything else. You could be anything, anywhere. You might not go somewhere where you're. Or your daughter is more than just this. <laughs> Here, all we get are a few 
specks of time where any of this actually makes any sense. <laughs> I will cherish these few specks of time. I think it's really interesting that we're seeing direct parallels with Jobu and Joy here. Like, obviously, they're the same character in different universes, but we're seeing that Joy is maybe starting down this path of, like, I don't want to hurt anymore. And maybe starting mm-hmm. to, you know, pick up on some of that nihilism that we were seeing with Jobu's character. And, and that's probably very scary for Evelyn. Joy also makes the comment, like, not only do I want to hurt, but when we're together, we both end up unhappy. Mm-hmm. We both end up hurt. So kind of maybe her thinking is like, this is not a positive relationship for either of us. So let's just right. like go our separate ways. Let's give each other space. Like we're not getting anything out of this. And just like Jobu, she pushes Evelyn away. And initially you're kind of like, <gasps> because Evelyn says, okay. And you, you know, you're tricked for one second that Evelyn's <laughs> actually going to let Joy walk away. But she calls her back and they have this conversation And it's not like a super like warm and fuzzy conversation necessarily because it's very true to like Evelyn's nature, right? And she kind of explains herself, but she also says even though it's not always like super positive and even though it doesn't always make sense, like I want to be with you. And I think it's kind of ironic that at the end of the movie, like one of the last things they say is like nothing matters. Mm -hmm. But I kind of think that what they mean is like, I I don't think it actually means nothing matters. I think it means like nothing else matters, right? Mm-hmm. Like our relationship, our family is what matters and like nothing else matters. And so I feel like that that's kind of like an interesting way. And that's just kind of how I took it is like that they really are seeing the value of like being in the present moment, being together, being with family. Whereas that was like a struggle right throughout the movie. Like literally Evelyn was struggling to be in the present universe. I think again, it's an indication of Evelyn's growth personally and how – she almost before, like at the beginning, like everything mattered, like almost too much, right? Like everything was all consuming. She was completely overwhelmed. And, you know, this was a really big deal. And this was a really big deal. And she's kind of coming to this point where like, maybe if none of this is like really that big of a deal or really like that important, the things that are really important are like making the most out of this life that I do have. And like recognizing that I do have like a wonderful daughter and a a loving husband. and, And can I find the joys and the beauty in these things and, and focus on those as opposed to feeling really down about how I failed and how all the negative things that have gone on. I think both like Joy and Evelyn were like handling things in their own manner, right? Joy was trying to like avoid and ignore the negative feelings and kind of downplay them, right? Which also wasn't working for her. Evelyn was kind of like you're saying, like overwhelmed and diving and feeling everything all at once. And they kind of came to, I think how you put it very nicely, like they came together in this like, Let's really focus on the present moment. And instead of like ignoring or trying to pretend like it doesn't matter or it's not there and instead of trying to like, you know, be all consumed by everything else, like let's really focus on it and let's like try to pick out those positives, right? Like, and I think Evelyn did a nice job of that. Like, yeah, it's not always perfect, but we do care about each other. We are here for each other and we want to be here for each other. Yeah. A nice happy ending and a nice bow tied on most of the relationships that we see in the movie. 
I told you, coming full bagel. <laughs> So I am curious, as we move towards wrapping up, Dr. Sam, what were your overall impressions of this movie? I'm curious to hear yours as well, because a lot of people, like, love this movie. Yeah. Like, some people have described it as, like, you know, changing their perspectives, like, like almost like life-changing, like, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. You know, I will say I did enjoy it. Um, the first time I watched it, I actually wasn't thinking about it for the podcast necessarily. I just heard a lot about it, wanted to see it. Um And I didn't really know what it was about, but that's probably for the best because if I had been told like, oh, it's about a woman like trying to pay her taxes, which is literally what some of the descriptions for the movie say, I would have been like, what? This is not what this movie is about. (laughs) So I really kind of went in unknowing. I think it was for the best though because I was very open-minded about it while I was watching it. I thought it was very like creative. I love movies that do things differently and it was very creative and very visually appealing. I think you could have like, taken a lot like you know taking a lot of different meaning or taking it a lot of different ways with how you think about it it's obviously like thought-provoking um it was funny right it's like funny but also emotional so I really enjoyed the movie overall what about you Dr. Fran great acting too I thought yeah I agree I feel similarly in a lot of ways it's a very bizarre random movie like (laughs) I was not expecting it to be as like quirky as it was. Like when like the hot dog fingers like really threw me off. Oh um, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> the hot dog fingers. That is a weird part of it. But yeah. they found like ways to be funny, which I appreciated. Like there were times where I actually laughed out loud, which you don't not you don't often yeah. do with like multiverse movies or movies about like family dynamics <laughs> and, and things like that. Um so I really appreciated that and, and I found myself being like it would be it would have been really fun to make this movie like it seems like the directors really had a fun time coming up with like you know like you have to do something completely random to be able to get uh far enough from the current universe to get to a different version of yourself and so i bet they had a great time just like sitting around being like what are the most random things we can think of that we can like put in this movie for people for the characters to do and then the actors having to do them so i think it's a very like fun quirky movie and at the same time has a lot of really important and impactful themes. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like if you sit down and you're like, let's make a movie about family relationship and especially like a mother-daughter and like the daughter's like in despair. Yeah. And then this is the movie you come up with. Like you have to be very creative. For sure. um, You know, to get there. And even just like, you know, the whole nihilism where it's like nothing matters, but then – Joe Boo was like so entrenched that she created an everything bagel, right? There's just a lot of those like nuances that are like really interesting, I feel like. <laughs> I also want to say we're definitely giving uh, producer Brandon uh, credit beforehand and after because it is a very difficult movie to pull clips from given that it is a very visual movie. There are often subtitles if it's like, you know, rocks talking or the characters speaking uh, different languages. So, you know, uh, as beautiful as it is, it's a difficult movie to take onto the podcast and bring out some of the clips. So good luck and good job, producer Brandon. <laughs> I'm confused too. All day. I don't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> we appreciate you in advance. Uh, and, and we're curious <laughs> to hear hear from listeners about your thoughts on this movie. Like, were there other themes that you picked up on that we didn't cover today? What do you think about our yeah. interpretation of the things that we talked about? We'd love to hear others' thoughts just because there's been a lot of discourse and conversation about this movie out there. 
True. And we didn't even really get into like Evelyn and Wayman's relationship. Mm-hmm. That could have been a whole other bit. You know, there are a lot of things that were going on. You know, what do the hot dog fingers really mean? I know. So what about story. Jamie Lee Curtis's character? Like what's oh, going yeah. on with her and Evelyn? Yeah. That's true. We didn't even talk about that. And that was like a great character. And actually, you know, she was the IRS auditor. She added a lot to that. And then the, the hot dog finger world, they're in a relationship together. And they also kind of have a touching relationship at the end mm-hmm. in the regular universe, too, you know? So, yeah, a lot of interesting dynamics. <laughs> Very nuanced. Yeah, so definitely let us know your thoughts. We know there's a lot of dialogue out there, and if there's anything that you'd like us to further break down or share or whatever, please let us know. Um, we couldn't cover everything because this is a movie, in fact, about everything. <laughs> All at once. <laughs> All at once. <laughs> So don't forget to check out our website. We'll put some references that we talked about today and glossary of some of the terms that we covered. And please find and follow us on social media at Freud Scripts Pod and all the things. You can let us know if you have questions or there's movies or TV shows you want us to put on the couch and break down next. You can find our Freudian Scripter Spotlight. You can follow us. All right. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon, creative director, Eric, at Webmaster Don. And then Jobu and Evelyn are having a lot of conversations about the bagel. I said that very mid <laughs> About <laughs> the bagel. <laughs> Scratch cut. I know Brandon's going to put that at the end. <laughs>